Hello and welcome to Atomic Radio Hour, episode 268, the post-nuclear podcast. I am your host, Vince. Welcome to the program. A lot to talk about today. I hope you guys are well. You look great as always. I love you very much. Thank you for choosing to spend your time here. I look forward to the time we're about to spend together. Before I do anything, I want to just talk about some Starfield stuff. I want to get right into Starfield. There is a Starfield Starfield startup screen that got leaked, and there has been major discourse over it. And I just don't understand if that's where we're at for like game journalism and like talking about games is that we're gonna talk about like startup screens. The startup screen is the only thing that I I like don't care about. Like it's like the number one thing I don't care about in any game is the startup screen. The startup screen is actively getting in the way of me uh, being able to play the thing that I just paid good money on. I just think it's silly. A bunch of people right now are playing, as of this recording, are playing Starfield uh, for review purposes. A lot of people that I watch on YouTube or follow, and I think that's awesome, and I'm super happy for them. I think it's awesome that Bethesda is giving back to the community in such a way and letting people review the game and giving them early access and... You know, it's cool to see someone who I've watched for like a, 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 the one person that I, I think of immediately is Mantis. Um, I he's been on the show before. He he's just a dude who loves Fallout, and the fact that Bethesda like acknowledged his existence and was like, "Hey man, here's a code." That's super cool. Like I remember, I found him right before his big fiasco back in the day, and I've watched his stuff, and it's just cool to see somebody grow and do what they're doing and i'm just it's just it's cool it's cool and hopefully one day i get to be amongst that group of people but that's out and with that being out so is uh, some leaked footage of starfield stuff don't please don't ruin it for me and please don't ruin it for anybody else more importantly don't ruin it for anybody else fallout 4 was spoiled in 2015 just a few weeks or a few months before the game came out i think it was i think it was i shouldn't say a few months it was less than that because I remember I went radio silent on all social media. My friends said they couldn't get a hold of me for a while unless you, like, texted me. Uh, I would every now and again check our Facebook chat. But I was off everything. I was off social media because I didn't want it to be spoiled. I had a friend who found out the secrets of father. Or his little brother did before anything had happened. And I just don't want that to ever happen to me. <laughs> to be completely honest, like, I just don't want the game to be spoiled. Uh, just know, like, if if you're in the Discord, if I see any sort of spoilage, it's just, I'm instantly banning you. I'll probably have made a, a thing. You're just going to get banned. Like, th there's also a thing that's like, don't spoil any games. Uh, yeah, right here. Uh, if you are in, if you intend on spoiling anything, please use the spoiler tag. Use it as your own risk. If you're too liberal with it, you may be asked to move your conversation to a more private place. If you abuse the spoiler tag, you may be kicked. So please don't ruin it for anybody else. Again, in the comments, like little things like that. Just be courteous of other people. Give it two weeks after the game drops. I'm incredibly excited for this game. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get to play it. I'm not going to get to play it on the 1st because I ordered a physical copy, which means I don't get to play it till the 6th. And I think on the 6th, I have people over. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to play it right away. But I can't wait to tell you guys what I think about it. I have some stuff I want to talk about as of the day of recording this. If you're a Fallout fan, which I, I assume you are if you're listening, some very exciting stuff has come out today, and I, and I really want to talk to you about it 
We're going to save that for the third segment of the program. Before I can get into the lore of this episode, I have to talk about the Patreon. Because of the Patreon, I can I can make the show bigger and better and stronger and harder and faster. All just from the support of a few lovely folks. So I have to thank some people. Starting from the top, I have to thank the OG Noah. Thank you, Noah. After Noah, I have to thank Danny. Thank you, Danny. After Danny, I have to thank Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. After Marcus, I have to thank Mellow Millhouse. Thank you, Mellow Millhouse. And last, but certainly not least, I have to thank Captain Lennox. Thank you, you guys. If you enjoy the show, you can find a link in the description to the Patreon where you can find that there is a $1 to a $10 tier. And even at the $1 tier, your voice is heard in the creation of making the show when I do the weekly lore poll. Also, if you're at the $10 tier, you you can sit in and listen to these episodes be recorded live. You become part of a studio audience. And you can change your pledge at any given time. Thank you for your support. I love you very much. Every week, I go into the Patreon and I start a poll and I have a little write-up and I say, hey, what do you guys want to hear? What do you feel like would benefit your life hearing about from the Fallout universe? And this week, I really wanted to do something either from the original Fallouts or I want to do something from New Vegas. And I wound up going uh, with something from New Vegas. It was originally Tandy, a shy little girl who just wants to know what's outside of Shady Sands, or a man who's hell-bent on land acquisition, Aaron Kimball. So if you want to hear any lore, and I mean any lore whatsoever, make sure you're in the Patreon, because even at the lowest tier, your voice is heard every single week when I ask a poll for what lore from the Fallout series you would like to hear. And this week, by way of Patreon, our lore is on Aaron Kimball from Fallout New Vegas. Now, Aaron Kimball is the president of the NCR, the New California Republic, a democracy, Kind of. And he's a man who rose to prominence very fast. He, he's, he's a well-regarded war hero. He's born around 2232 to 2233. And at the events of Fallout New Vegas, he's 48 years old. He's a decorated war hero, later to become president. He is uh, formerly an army officer, a congressman, and a general of the NCR. He believes wholeheartedly that expansion is what's good for the NCR. He has an autocratic style of leadership and was liked more as a general than he is than he was as a politician, which Chief Hanlon says. Caesar actually finds him admirable in his aggression. Caesar's a man who sees someone who wants to be able to who, who sees someone who wants to take something and he admires the way Kimball acts in regards to the other tribes of Vegas. Similar to the way that Caesar took over the tribes, Kimball, Kimball's Mojave went the way of taking out every single tribe that got in his way and quote unquote cleaning up the Mojave. But he also hates the way that he thinks he can rule everything through bureaucracy. He thinks, just take what is yours. Caesar still wants him dead by assassination, and that shows how powerful he is. It's not even just that Caesar wants him dead because he's the opposition. Caesar want hi wants him dead because he knows the power he could command. By 2269, he rose to power with his militaristic plan to pacify the tribes of the Sierra Nevada Mojave and Bullhead City. And he gets all of this done by 2070. This earned him the title the Hero of the Mojave. And in 2273, directly out of the Fallout New Vegas official guide, 
on the website, it's considered to be non-game, and it's debatable if it's canon or not. I consider it canon myself, uh, because it's the official guide for the games, but I do get all of my lore off of fallout.fandom.com, the Wikipedia, if you will, and this was there, a direct quote. It says, Kimball retires from the military. This is paraphrased a little bit, but it says, Kimball retires from the NCR military and runs for office as one of the hub's political representatives. Less than two months into his term, Wendell Peterson, NCR president from 2253 to 2273, is voted out, and Kimball is to be the next president. He becomes the NCR's fifth president. By 2274, his first order is to occupy Hoover Dam. This is about the time that House kind of wakes up, too. Uh, he wants to establish the New Vegas Treaty that would send clean water and 95% of the dam's power to NCR and its citizens. Now, when you're a bunch of stick-wielding, illiterate nobodies in the middle of a desert... And a man goes, hey there, fella, uh, we can make sure that you have clean water and power. Your approval rating skyrockets. This made him incredibly popular. And by 2275, the NCR pulls all funding from the followers of the apocalypse and funds the Office of Science and Industry. Again, from the official guide, it says 2275, Camp McCarran is established as the NCR headquarters in the Mojave. Sporadic fighting begins with the Mojave Brotherhood of Steel. The NCR government withdraws official support from the followers of the apocalypse. So the, the followers being people that want to further advancement, they want to further technology and medicine and science. The NCR is funding them and making sure that this happens. And then Kimball goes, yep, nope, we just don't need you. We'll do this all ourselves. Now, I've said from the very beginning that the followers are probably the best faction in the game. They are the people that care the most about other people. And to cut ties and go, cool, we're going to handle this bureaucratically. To me, personally, if I saw that, I'd be like, I don't trust this. Like, these people are doing it out of the goodness of their heart. These people, the NCR, are doing it because they're told to do it, not because they want to. Because it's a good job. The NCR economy is based off of two very important things. Brahmin? and vast amounts of land. Kimball overturns laws that were to limit the amount of cattle and acreage that one could own by a single person. So pretty much, let's say one person, if you own five acres of land, could own 50 Brahmin. He gets rid of that. So if you own 200 acres of land, you could have 10,000 Brahmin on that land. And it shuts out smaller, it shuts out smaller Brahmin barons, the Brahmin barons, that industry, the, the big names grow immensely. The Stockman Association and the Republican Farmers Committee become even more powerful. And this creates the Brahmin and agricultural barons. And this makes him even more popular amongst the elite within NCR. By 2281, his entire political career, Kimball's entire political career depends on the annexation of the Mojave. This has drained resources and caps and human lives in the seven years trying to capture the Mojave as NCR territory. All of this is going on, the seven years is going on, during smaller wars with the Brotherhood of Steel and little tiffs with raider groups. Like the Khans, various fiends, Legion, which we'll get to Legion in a minute. Kimball's also 
in the midst of occupying Baja. It's a former region of Mexico that has now been annexed by NCR. And he decides to send his best troops to Baja and not the Hoover Dam. Chief Hanlon can say, it's no secret that we've had better campaigns. Holding this whole length of river isn't easy. We were stretched thin, and the long 15 keeps getting longer, slower to get supplies, slower to get reinforcements. NCR Senate has got funds tied up in the boneyard, and President Kimball ordered his most experienced rangers to chase ghosts down in Baja. So he has money in L.A., in downtown L.A., in the boneyard. He has money there. Everything is just incredibly stretched thin, which New Vegas does incredibly well by showing you, hey, this is what's going on, and we're dying. We're just dying, dog. Most of the NCR citizens were told that the victory would be swift, but seven years later, they've grown tired of the constant warfare. All of this is also being impacted by 2281 because in 2277, a new, quote-unquote, new threat shows up and is the invasion of Caesar's Legion. Because of this back-and-forth war with the Legion and everybody else and the, to capture the Mojave, having to deal with House, most of NCR citizens start referring to this as just Kimball's War because it feels very much it's just him doing it for his sake. He At no point does Kimball ever feel like he's doing things for the greater good and that he's doing it for his own inflated sense of ego. Some of the quests that you can do that involve him are you'll know it when it happens, wild card, finishing touches, the house always wins six, and Arizona killer. If the courier sides with the Legion, Caesar himself orders them to assassinate President Kimball when he comes to Hoover Dam to make his speech. Depending on the success of the courier's efforts, Kimball either dies as Caesar intended or escapes angering him. If the courier sides with the NCR, they work alongside Ranger Grant, providing security for President Kimball during his speech. Depending on how well this is done, Kimball either completes his speech and departs as planned or is hustled to his personal vertebrate as one of the possible assassination attempts occurs, cutting his speech short. If the courier sides with Mr. House, House sends them to Hoover Dam to protect Kimball, during his visit, if he dies, House reasons Kimball will become a martyr for hawkish elements of the NCR Senate. If he lives and the NCR loses the campaign, however, he will be blamed for a costly and humiliating defeat. After securing his victory at Hoover Dam, House smugly notes that he and the courier have nothing to fear from Kimball now. He'll be too busy getting thrown out of office, says House. If the courier fails to protect President Kimball during his visit under any affiliation, save the Legion, Kimball will be assassinated by an agent of Kaisar. If you want to get the Meat of Champions perk, you have to eat Kimball. Also, I'm going to play now in its entirety because I feel like a lot of people don't ever hear this. I'm going to play the entirety of Kimball's speech at Hoover Dam because I feel like we don't get to hear it. I feel like it's... it's there but you're doing everything else while it's going on so i think it'd be nice to hear it so without further ado this is kimball's speech in its entirety thank you my fellow californians who have come so far to answer the call to service put forth by the republic it is for you that i have come here and it is because of you that i am able to do so we enjoy our privileges because you take the greatest of risks and are prepared to make the most noble sacrifices. And it's because of men and women like Private First Class, Jeremy Watson, 
that Nevada and the new California Republic remain free and secure. Born in a tin shack on the outskirts of one pine, Jeremy Watson never had an easy. His father worked as a caravan guard on the short loop, and his mother, like many Californians, braved the ruins of the old world as a prospector. They suffered through water shortages, raider attacks, and the Brotherhood of War. Like our mighty Sierra Nevadas, they endured. But the time came and they could no longer shoulder the burden alone. Twelve years ago, they called out for help, and the Republic heard them. Troopers and rangers just like you answered the clarion call. Men and women stepped forward to say, I will carry the weight. And at Owens Lake, we made true on our promise. Driving out the raider tribes to establish a lasting peace in the eastern Sierra Nevadas. We carried the weight, and though we left behind many of our brothers and sisters on that battlefield, it did not break us. Ten years ago, Chief Elise met with representatives of the Desert Rangers to discuss terms of what would become the Ranger Unification Treaty. The treaty was more than a resolution to welcome the Desert Rangers into the Republic. It was a covenant to protect Southern Nevada against Caesar's legion and the tyranny of his regime. There are some back home who ask me, but who are we protecting? What is Nevada to us? Sometimes we forget that the light of our society shines beyond our borders. Sometimes we take those privileges for granted that our forebears fought so hard to achieve. We must always remember that wherever Californians stand, we carry our principles with us. Equal respect, representation, and protection under the laws of a just republic. This is the same fire that burned in the heart of the old world that preceded us. When the Republic called on the men and women of California to carry that fire across the Mojave, Jeremy Watson answered, You answered. Together you carried the weight. And when P.F.C. Watson's platoon came under attack at Forlorn Hope, he took the greatest risk, not only for his fellow Californians, but for California itself. He was prepared to make the most noble of sacrifices to defend the principles of our republic, even here, on Nevada's soil. His actions are a beacon to all of us who stand here today in tribute to his valor. Private First Class Jeremy Watson, on behalf of the Senate and people of the new California Republic, it is my honor to present you with the Star of Sierra Madre. Not far, Not far from, from this spot, spot a monument stands as a tribute to the sacrifice made by those who came before us. The men and women who fulfilled the promise we made to the desert rangers. Its back is inscribed with the names of the troopers and rangers who carried the weight. And because they made the most noble sacrifices, it did not break us. Four years ago, we held this dam. Four years ago, we carried the weight. Four years ago, we drew a line through the Mojave as clear as the Colorado River. A line that Caesar cannot cross. 
Today we stand here with our brothers and sisters to hold that line. Today you honor all Californians by carrying that weight. Today you are the waves of the Pacific, pushing ever eastward. You are the sequoias rising from the Sierra Nevadas, defiant and enduring. You are the great western light of California, torchbearers in the darkness, living reminders of all that is best in our republic. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's get the fuck out of here. What the hell are you waiting for? You think I want to get shot? Let's go. So just some fun facts and some notes off the wiki. If you look at Kimball's lips during his speech, he never actually moves them. He cannot be pickpocketed, even using a stealth boy if you if you sneak up on him. He has the haircut called Sarge that you can have in the character creation, and even after years of no longer being in the army, he still sports the haircut. He only appears in New Vegas and in the add-ons of Dead Money and Lonesome Road. A little bit behind the scenes, Kimball's speech at Hoover Dam was written by Joshua Sawyer, the director of the game. He researched various political speeches and implemented many common themes such as repetition of phrases, including the audience in a speech. He's got his own card. He's the president of the NCR. He's not a good man. He's not a man I would trust. Um, Tandy was charismatic as hell, and people let her get away with things because of it. This man is not charismatic as hell, and people are letting him get away with things not because of it. He's uh, an enigmatic character, man. Uh, he's, he exists. He's there. I wish he was in the game a little more. But Aaron Kimball, 48. That's this week's lore. Hey, gang. Welcome to the third segment, one of my favorite segments. We got some exciting news today, guys. Some really, really, really exciting news today. News about the Fallout TV show on Amazon Prime. Today, out of nowhere, there was a tweet from Prime Video which just says, Vault 33, location, Los Angeles, Fallout, an original series coming to video Prime Video in 2024. And then there's a picture of L.A. in, like, the 40s or the 50s. And it, it, this is it, a little vault boy with a 33 on his chest. This very much seems like something they put together last minute. But where dreams come true. And there was, at Gamescom, there was a Starfield panel, a press conference that was held... And during the press conference, they showed a little bit of the show. And uh, from Discussing Film, at Discussing Film on Twitter, a trailer for the live-action Fallout series was shown at Gamescom, which included Brotherhood of Steel marching across the desert, their vertebrate vehicles, Walton Goggins, ghoul character who looks similar to Fallout 4's John Hancock, we're never getting Fallout 3 in New Vegas ghouls ever again, and multiple nuclear explosions. This is incredibly exciting, man. This is awesome. I'm so excited for this. I'm so excited to finally know that like we're getting it sooner rather than later because we're getting Starfield this year. The show is going to come out next year at some point in time. We're going to get Elder Scrolls like 2026, 2027. We'll get Fallout 5, 2033. Right? So we'll have this to supplement us for a while. It's taking place in California. I'm worried that it's taking place in California. I think it's cool that we're going to get to see the Boneyard. I'm, I just hope they don't touch Fallout 2 too much. I hope they don't change things. I think having a political drama that shows like what happened after the Enclave, fantastic idea. 
maybe Walton Goggins leaves the vault and he's irradiated and he's a ghoul and maybe he's the only ghoul in his vault. Maybe that's how they get the character to kind of, I, I'm sorry, the viewer to identify with the character of like, oh, cool, he's he's a ghoul, he's he's ostracized from his people, he's ostracized from the outside world. It is what it is. Like like I understand this world now. I understand the. Uh, I understand the political aspect of this world. I understand everything that is going on with this universe, right? I'm excited to see this. I'm really excited to see this. I have hope for this. I have high hopes for this. The guy who's writing it, there's that little interview of him where he's like, I wanted to be a novelist. I played Fallout 3. Now I'm writing the show. This is something that I feel like is really hard to mess up, especially if they keep true to west coast lore i just don't think we're like i think new vegas is the last time we're ever going to see west coast in a game i think the show is going to be entirely west coast like the show is going to be how we see what the west looks like in fallout from now on and i'm okay with that like it's not ideal but it's 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 good like at least we get to see something hopefully that means we get to see a game in texas we get to see a game in michigan we get to see a game in in uh, uh new orleans a game in new york a game in Montana, like, like wherever these aren't going to take place. LA is a big place though. Like LA is a monstrous place. It's a, it's a huge, huge place. So I wouldn't be surprised if we just keep this in LA, but also I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit outside of it. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we see a little bit of Baja. I wouldn't be surprised if we see bits of uh, Utah, bits of New Mexico. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, Utah is a bit of a stretch. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see that entire area, especially if, you know, there's a real strong chance that, like, they talk about New Vegas and we get to see Vegas in some capacity. Maybe not. Depends on what year this takes place. Depending on the year it takes place, we may or may not get to see Vegas. But I'm excited, man. I'm really, really excited. I'm very, very excited for this show. I can't wait to see what this is going to be. Now, I have a couple things here. Let's let's just call this like segment four real quick. Um, I didn't know if I was going to talk about this or not. And, I, you know, why not? Kyle sent me this one. This one I saw on Twitter the other day, but Kyle sent me this one to talk about. Charles Martinet has been the original voice of Mario in Nintendo games for a long time. As far back as Super Mario 64, Charles is now moving into a brand new role of Mario Ambassador. With this transition, he will be stepping back from recording character voices for our games. But he will continue to travel the world, sharing the joy of Mario and interacting with you all. It has been an honor working with Charles to help bring Mario to life for so many years, and we want to thank and celebrate him. Please keep an eye out for a special video message from Shigeru Miyamoto and Charles himself, which we will be posting at a future date. So, the man who's been playing Mario forever is no longer going to be playing Mario. There was a, I think it's called Super Mario Wonder. People, that came out and people started to instantly be like, this doesn't sound like him. Or maybe they got somebody new. I don't think they got somebody new. I just think he's old now. I think he's like 60 or 70 years old. He's an old man, man. And for as long as I've known Mario, that's been Mario's voice in every Mario game I've ever played. I'm trying to think of the first one I ever played. I, I, I honestly don't know. But Sunshine, Double Dash, all the Mario parties, just everything I could think of, Odyssey is just, uh, what's the Galaxy one? No, Odyssey's that one. What's the the Voyage one? Odyssey? No. 
the one that was on the Switch. All of these games have been him, and it's it's wild to think that they're just not going to have him. And I kind of hope that they go with, like, a real guy from Brooklyn next time. They're not going to. But I think that'd be fun to see. Like, I just hope whoever gets it next... I want to know how kids are going to react about this. Because I feel like if anybody's going to care, it's going to be children. And I want to know how they feel. Because Mario has a voice, but he doesn't have, like... Like, he doesn't have a recognizable voice. The voice of Sonic has changed, like, seven times. I want to know what you guys think. Leave a comment below of, of how you feel about this. I, I just, like, I know that this job he's getting is the Mario ambassador. is like a nepotism job. Like, what is, the, what is the Mario ambassador? Like, that's a job you get because your daddy owns the company. I think that's wild. I, I, I want to see what, what he's going to say. I'm going to see what this is going to be. I, I know, like, as soon as this episode comes out, like, the next day, or maybe the day before this episode comes out, the video is going to be posted of Charles Martinet being like, let's a go into retirement. But that's about everything I have for this week's episode for you guys. I hope you've enjoyed. Like I said, you look great. Uh, if you like the intro music, it's by the one and only Shane Ivers. The song I use is called Feather Duster, and you can get all of his free music at silvermansounds.com slash free music. Throw a Feather Duster at the end there, and you can get the intro song. Link to my Twitter, the show's Twitter, and Kyle's Twitter. Again, I want to thank the Patreon. Thank you to the Patreon. There's also a link to the Redbubble down there, so you can support in a smaller way. I love you very much. Make sure you follow. Join the Discord. Uh, I love you. I'll be seeing you next week. I hope you guys are well. I hope you guys are excited for all the new fun stuff. Starfield's coming out. The Fallout show's coming out. I hope you guys are just as excited as I am. I love you very much. And I will see you next week. Bye, everyone. Atomic Radio Hour Podcast. This has been a production made by your friends.